This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. After beating Ohio State, Michigan football has received a few commitments. Coincidence? The Wolverines also lost the key player, though. We discuss Michigan football recruiting news coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be back with you here after a one-podcast episode absence for me here on Wednesday morning, November 30th. I'll admit, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to that one yet. I mean, it's just been so busy for us so much so much you know writing producing that you know to, to stop sometimes and actually listen to wolverine confidential podcast it just doesn't happen disappointed sure it was ringing endorsement there con ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you haven't been able to pull it up on your long drive into either chrysler or schembechler <laughs> not not yet two minutes be, yeah i was gonna say that'd be you know finish it over you know seven or eight trips but uh even though I didn't mention in the intro, let's just quickly touch on what happened last night at Chrysler. Uh, Michigan men's basketball team lost to number three, Virginia, 70 to 68. And it's one of those games where, I mean, you watch college basketball. These happen like fairly often during the year when an unranked team beats a top 10 team and it's, you know, billed as an upset. And sometimes it's not even an upset as far as Vegas is concerned. This would have been a small one, but uh you know, just home court means so much in college basketball. And, you know, you feed off that crowd, you hit some outside shots, and you can win these games. And that was the recipe Michigan was following for a good chunk of the game, certainly the first half, and, and you know, even had a, a six-point lead, you know, midway through the second half. But uh, it just it, it didn't it didn't work out as planned down the stretch. Michigan, I don't want to say they blew this game. They didn't. Um, you know, just Virginia executed better than Michigan because Virginia executes better than most teams in the country. Uh, but but nonetheless, as I wrote, you know, kind of a golden opportunity slips away uh, with a tough stretch, you know, continuing, uh, um, you know, this weekend and this month for Michigan. Uh, yeah, 76 to 68 loss that could have been a win. I feel like anytime you're up by 11 points at halftime, regardless of who you're playing, I mean, it's still got to be a, a staying loss to to not come up with or come up, come away with a victory, especially when you're at home. Yeah, they're talking, uh, you know, they're kind of talking moral victories, how they took a, a big step this game. And I don't know, is that is that a concern here uh, for a team that, you know, has, they say, Big Ten National Championship aspirations? Or is it, or is it just more realistic kind of given – Given the roster and given what you know, given what Virginia, where Virginia is at right now, they're just ahead of most teams because they returned all five starters and um, they're 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 all you know they're juniors, seniors, fifth year guys. Um, I I don't I don't know. Um, I I think as long as like behind closed doors, they're a little more critical of themselves than they are you know to us, and that's that's all that really matters. But uh, it is it is interesting. Five and two. I mean, there's no reason to to panic for this team. They still haven't had the. They've avoided the the bad loss for the most part, but you know Kentucky and London on on Sunday, uh, you know that'll be that'll be a tough game for both teams, of course, making that trip. Um, but you know Kentucky certainly on paper is the more is the more talented team, but uh, and has been defending better than Michigan has. But we'll we'll see we'll see. Um, 
Big Ten opener after that, North Carolina later in the month. So it's a tough stretch for Michigan. And, um, you know, when you have a game like that at home, you, you want to put it away, but they didn't. Uh, all right, let's get back to the kind of the, the focus of this episode, which is Michigan football recruiting. And I'll just start with a, a, a very quick story. We're in the press box, um, you know, kind of convening after Michigan's uh game after Ohio State. We were at our separate press conferences. We get back together. All right, what are we going to work? What's our plan here? We start actually, you know, writing some stories. And then uh, Ryan Zook, all of a sudden, he's he's sidetracked by a story of a commitment from a Michigan football player, which I kind of found hilarious. He may not. Um, but like it, it did, it did, did then start this string of football players from the state of Ohio committing to Michigan after that game. That can't be a coincidence, right? No, no, I don't think it is at all. And it's I think it's big for Michigan because really in the last three, four cycles, Michigan hasn't done much in Ohio at all. I think Rod Moore is is their only Ohio recruit that they've landed since the, the 2019 class. So, I mean, 2020, 2021, and 2022, only one, one commit from Ohio from a, a region that Michigan used to do very well in um, was kind of surprising. But I think with Steve Klinkscale, um, and, and his ties to the area, I think they're making Ohio more of a priority. And I think a lot of these Ohio kids saw that what uh, everyone pretty much in the country saw on, on Saturday and another Michigan convincing win in uh, in Columbus, something they hadn't done in since 2000. So I think maybe the momentum in this rivalry is changing. And uh, yeah, Michigan got um, actually four guys from Ohio to commit since since last week, I know one of them was before the game, but um, three more after the game too, which is uh, pretty significant. And I, I will say none of these guys did have Ohio State offers, so it's not like Ohio State was making a big push. I know at least two of them were at the game, though. So, um, I mean, it's I think Ohio State likes to keep these in-state guys on their radar, and if they can't land maybe some of the top guys they're going for, maybe they'll cir- cir- circle back to some of the, the local guys for them. But at that point, they didn't have any Ohio State recruits. Um, so it's not much head-to-head battle with the Buckeyes, but still noteworthy nonetheless. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll dive into a, a couple of them here. I guess the the first guy that committed even even before the game was uh, linebacker Cameron Calhoun out of Winton Woods. Or, I mean, cornerback – or no, yeah, linebacker um, – Brian Ishmael uh, from Princeton, Cincinnati, Princeton, who's listed as an athlete, but will probably play linebacker at Michigan. Uh, he's uh, the number 864 recruit nationally. Um, didn't have many other uh, big power five offers. I um, mean, he did have one from Tennessee, um, Pittsburgh, Kentucky. Um, but yeah, Michigan was definitely one of his biggest ones and he pulled the trigger on, on Friday. Um, and then, yeah, the guy right after the game, uh, <laughs> uh was, was, uh, Cameron Calhoun, uh, a cornerback, which is a huge need for, for Michigan. Um, I mean, the, the, he's their first defensive back commit in that 2023 cycle recently decommitted from Cincinnati, um, uh, and, and decided to, uh, choose the Wolverines. He's a top 500 guy at number 487 overall. Um, so yeah, six foot, 170 pound corner. And yeah, Michigan needs defensive backs, especially corners this cycle. So Michigan finally got one with him. Um, and I think the most notable one is in the 2024 class. I mean, we we know how much Michigan relies on its offensive line and how successful their offensive line has been. Um, they need another one in the 2023 class at least, but they got one in 2024 with Luke Hamilton um, from Avon, Ohio. 
listed at number 209 overall, six foot five, 290 pounds. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big one right there. And then, uh, most recently, uh, uh, six foot four, 220 pound, three-star athlete from Youngstown, Cheney, Jason Hewlett. Uh, he's number six, 667 overall in the ranking. So it seemed like finally Michigan was starting to get some momentum. Obviously it's kind of been a pretty disappointing recruiting class to this point, especially in 2023 with signing day right around the corner. And all of a sudden, we're at uh, player interviews last night, Tuesday night, and check my phone afterwards, and I see that Michigan lost uh, a verbal pledge from one of their top commits um, in in uh, Edge Collins Achiapon, um, a guy who's really risen up the rankings throughout this cycle. Doesn't have much football experience, but is just a, a natural, gifted athlete that, that I know Michigan was really excited about. A lot of the recruiting experts were excited about. And he ends up flipping to Miami, who just finished 5-7 and seven, um, just a, less than a month before signing day. A couple of thoughts here. One, Steve, we got to remember Steve Klingscale was brought on staff for a couple of reasons. One, obviously to help bolster the defensive backs and improve that, that just the secondary on, on the field. But to improve recruiting in the Ohio Valley area, you know, in that Cincinnati, Kentucky, um, Indiana area. Because remember when he first was hired, he, he made a comment, you know, that he, in Detroit too, you know, he was coming up to Detroit and beating Ohio, and beating Michigan for recruits and he was doing it in Cincinnati. Um, so this was clearly a ploy to try and get uh, uh, at least a foot on the ground down there. Because as you mentioned, Zook, it's been several years now where Michigan's really had an in. Um, Jim, if you might remember, Jim Harbaugh tried doing that years ago with Al Washington, the Ohio former Ohio State coach. They brought him on staff for one year to try and get a foothold there after they lost Greg Madison. Um, it worked for a little bit. Um, again, he only stayed for a year, and then and then he disappeared and, and obviously went to Ohio State, and that kind of killed Michigan's any any chance of getting a foot in there. Um, so it, it's clearly you know starting to take hold. Um, still a little underwhelmed by the recruiting here. Again, we're talking about a lot, generally a lot of three-star kids here. And for a high-profile program winning and in the contention again for the playoff, you'd think they'd be able to get a few more um, you know, higher-ranked kids. So I'm really curious to see where this goes. It's a good start. Um, it's something I think Jim Harbaugh anticipated when he brought Klingskill on staff. Um, but I think they've certainly got to do more. Yeah, and and I think, I mean, we, we got to talk NIL here. I mean, as much how many times this year has Michigan players and coaches been talking about um oh yeah it's all about the fit and stars don't really matter and well in, in the NIL age it's going to be harder to find those right fits with top prospects because NIL means so much to these top guys so I I, I really think Michigan needs to change its approach if it's going to have success with some of these top recruits uh there's only going to be a handful of guys that well, just focus on the, the culture fit and the education and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, not everyone wants to get paid and, 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 and NIL is not a huge factor for everyone, but we're seeing how much it is for a lot of missions, top targets in the 2023 class. They have whiffed on a lot of top guys this cycle. And I think NIL has a lot to do with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, it's missions tried to make progress in that air, in that area, um, but they they need to do more or, or do something because it's they're just not landing these top guys. They don't have any top 100 commits now. I uh, Apon was one of uh, I think two top top 200 guys that were in the class, and now they only have one in Eno Etta, a defensive lineman. So 
Yeah, it, it's going to be tough now for for Michigan to try and, and finish with a top 15 cycle unless they really didn't move in here um, a month before early signing day. Now, while we knock Michigan, I, I will give them credit here. And Jim Harbaugh spent considerable time this week going down the line of all the contributors, the three-star kids that have made a difference in this team, the last, this program the last couple of years. You can make the case Michigan has done a very good job of finding under-the-radar recruits and developing and turning them into good to uh, you know above-average Big Ten players, and they're winning because of it. So I'm not ready to throw them out just yet because they have done a good job of that, and they can continue to find those three-star kids. You know, For instance, Rod Moore, you mentioned a former three-star kid. Mike Samuel's still a three-star kid. Um, they, they've, Ronnie Bell, three-star kid. They may do with, with some of the guys they've been able to get. But over time, in the long run, it's going to start to hurt them at some point. Again, keep going when we keep when they keep getting out recruited by Ohio State, getting potentially out recruited by Penn State. It's gonna it's gonna matter at some point. So yeah, the NIL is a big deal. I, I mean, at this point, I don't know what else to say about it. Michigan clearly isn't, um, you know, competing at that high level with some of the other schools. I don't know what else needs to be done. I mean, we're obviously not behind the scenes and privy to all the financials and, and their decision making, um, but Michigan clearly remains on the path. And Jim Harbaugh has said this in the past, and it seems like it's being echoed by A.D. Warren Manual and administration that they want this to be transformational and not a transactional experience, which tells you they're not willing to go out there and offer kids X amount of dollars um, in, until they commit, and, and then the money will flow in. So it's it's a different philosophy, a different approach. It clearly has, looks like it hasn't made much headway or much difference, um, because at this point, you think the winning would would trump it all, and clearly it's it's not. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's a fair question. Does it does it almost matter in a way because they they it's not like they've not gotten five stars. I mean, two of the players that won them the game on Saturday, JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards were elite recruits that plenty of programs wanted. Junior Colson a top 100 guy, a key linebacker for them. I mean, they have uh plenty of guys there that are still highly rated uh recruits that are they're playing big important minutes for mozzie smith another guy that was just outside the top 100 he's the anchor of that defense so as much as they like to tout these um uh, under the radar guys that develop into very good college players they've also been able to mix in a lot of high talent or talented recruits that have panned out as well too so you you need that mix but uh, sorry yeah. to cut you off there andrew no, absolutely. That not at all. They they uh like they're still beating Ohio State, which has more, you know, still way more five stars and four stars. Now, you know, if it's not catching up to them in that game these last couple of years, you know, will it still, you know, at the national level against, you know, the likes of Georgia, for example. And I think, you know, again, we will we will find out uh, potentially, you know, this year, uh, you know, again, whether whether that they've, they've closed that gap. Um, you know, they played last year and it didn't go well for Michigan. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, the Ohio thing is interesting. I, you know, in preparation for this call, I did I did pull up this uh, some some data, uh, you know, the. I think a lot of Michigan fans and, and some maybe old school, you know, pundits or whatever want to talk about uh, they, they they know that Michigan's last two Heisman winners came from there. Right. Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard. And then even if even if, you know, more recently, that 2016 2016 team that, that Michigan fielded that was so good, had several guys um, from Ohio as well. A friend of the pod, Jake Butt comes to mind. Uh, Davion Smith, Chris Wormley, um, you know, some key players. But like the population has shifted in, in the United States. And I didn't think I'd be, you know, citing, you know, us census bureau data on this podcast, but I think, I think it's relevant. Like a lot more people are living 
in in the South now. The chart that I you know brought up in preparation for this has you know Georgia from 2010 to 2011. Uh, sorry, 2010 to 2020. You know Georgia's population up 11 percent. Florida's up 15. South Carolina 11. North Carolina 10. Virginia, Tennessee 8, 9. Like and Michigan, Ohio State are, and Ohio are, are are somewhat stagnant, only up you know two percent. So it's like more more players are down there. Texas is up sixteen percent. So like yeah, Michigan has has shifted where it's gone to get some players. Um, but that's partly because there are more players available in some of these places. Now Michigan has also gone to the Northeast a fair amount, which is kind of just a different different philosophy altogether. But um, you know, I guess whatever they've they've the roster they've assembled these last two years. Has has certainly worked with you know a, a couple few five stars and then build around them with with you know guys that yeah were either under the radar um, uh, you know so underrated or you know they just they, they've they've developed them enough to be you know competitive Big Ten players. Man, oh man, I know Harbaugh has touted some war daddies on his football team the last couple of days, but it looks like we found our war daddy of the pod. I mean, going out <laughs> and covering a late basketball game and coming in and with this research before before this morning pod. Well done, Andrew Khan. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, Ryan, what is, what is your thought? I mean, the, I, I guess Aaron kind of concluded with it's over the long term, it's still going to hurt you. At the end of the day, you still want the better players, right? You want to pass on those better players if they are a right fit. Um, it's not like Michigan's not recruiting these guys. They're just not often winning those battles. No, a hundred percent. I mean, Michigan's still going after. I mean, even if you look at some of the guys they've just missed out, missed out on, they were really highly touted, highly recruited, highly ranked guys. Um, it's just they, they need to find a way to close. And it, it's, it's funny because I think um, I mean, it, it, recruiting is becoming even – it's always been fluid, but I feel like it's becoming even more fluid. And I think a lot of the recruiting pundits were even caught off guard by this decommitment yesterday too because um, I know this this H. E. Pong guy was – he visited USC and UCLA recently too, and I, I he did an interview with one of the, the, um, the recruiting services basically saying, like, I'm just – I have a couple couple visits left to to do, and I'm mean, just here to support other recruits. And it's right in my backyard because he's from he's a California kid. Um, so it's like, oh yeah, I mean, there's I'm still solid to Michigan, and I'm like, all right, well, it's still a little weird that you're you're taking visits to UCLA and USC, and it's close to home. It's like, all right, there's a potential for a flip here. And all of a sudden, he he just comes out of the blue and announces that he's committed to Miami on the complete opposite side of the country. It's just uh, it, it was just wild. I mean, very surprising. I think a lot of people were caught off guard. Um, so that just shows what the the nature of recruiting is like these days. And yeah, I mean, it's it it's I mean, it's crazy to think that how dominant Michigan has been on the field this season, and how that has not translated into success on the recruiting trail. I mean, yeah, I I, I really don't know what else they they can do. If I mean, but what what they're doing right now is. Uh, it's not working. Yeah, one, two, four top three hundred guys now in in the class, uh, which is pretty surprising given the, I mean, they used to be half their close to half their guys used to be top three hundred recruits, and you're still seeing that this roster right now has a lot of those top recruits still with a lot of strong developmental guys that have chipped in as well, but that's going to dry out at some point, and you're going to have to rely on all three stars basically to develop them. And I don't know if that's a, a winning formula. We're, we're in a very interesting time in college football where you're starting to see schools get players that they normally wouldn't do with the, with the results on the field you're, you're, because of the more money available and that NIL effect. And then you're seeing situations where at Texas A&M, 
where they're getting all these five-star kids and the results aren't producing on the field. So it, it's a very interesting time. And I think Michigan right now, I mean, they're doing okay. They're, they're still, like you said, they're still getting an occasional five-star. They're still getting their, their four-stars. But the key here is developing their players once they get into the system and keeping them and creating this team environment. Um, so so credit to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. They, they've made do with what they ha- they've had. I, I give them, there's no qualm there. Um, but I'm really curious to see the next couple of years where this goes. Um, you know, it, it, I mentioned Texas A&M, Ohio State's another example of a bunch of four high four and five star guys. And look, look, look at what they did this year. They, they couldn't get two. It's now two years in a row where they can't get to the Big Ten championship. So obviously stars aren't the end all be all. I know folks like to say stars matter and they do. But it, it, it's more than just getting the kids in. You, you've got to build the, the environment and you've got to develop them. And Michigan, I think, has overproduced in that department. They've overperformed. If they can continue to do that, I think they'll be in good shape long term. But if, if there's any drop off there, like we saw a few years ago toward the end of the Don Brown era and they, they cleaned house and the staff, that's where things get rough. So I, I think right now Michigan's in good shape. But again, you want to see them getting more hitting on more four and five stars not only given the, the nature of their program, but I mean, they're winning. You you would think high profile prospects would want to go play for a winner. Um, but again, we're, we're starting to see it and you can intimate and read between the lines, but it's obviously becoming more than just that. Looking on the composite rankings right now for some teams that maybe had a down year, Notre Dame is, has a third ranked class nationally. Oklahoma, who had a, a fin- thing finished 500, they're ranked number seven. Florida had a down year, number eight. Miami is, isn't even bowl eligible, and they're up to number nine in the country now in, in recruiting. So uh, South Carolina finished eight and four, they're 15th. Um, t- <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of instances here where um, schools that didn't produce on the field this year, but they're still going to finish with a pretty, uh, pretty good recruiting class. So it's, it's, yeah, it's changed. The landscape is changing. That's for sure. And I think the talent is just spreading out more. I think you're going to see fewer instances of teams maybe loading up on high profile talent. Now, Texas A&M is, is the, obviously the, the outlier here. And as I said, they're still not winning. So it's, it's a, it's a fascinating time. And I think if Michigan can find their niche and maybe this is the right way to go, maybe what Jim Harbaugh and Michigan administration are doing, they long-term, maybe it does work out. Um, but I, I got to think if you keep whiffing on four and five star guys, it's got to catch up to you at some point on the field. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to fall behind, even if you've got your own, you know, your own strategy there. I, I think it puts more pressure on the coaches to outdevelop out scheme in game, you know, opponents. And, and that, that becomes harder when you're winning because when you're winning, your staff gets rated. Michigan probably doesn't have to worry about losing their head coach. I guess at least not to another college program. Uh, but you know, the assistants that that's a different story. And, you know, you guys have written about that. We're starting to see we, or we will this off season, you know, potentially some, some departures. So, uh, but the important thing to remember Michigan, this football team is playing for a Big Ten championship Saturday at Purdue. And maybe you guys mentioned in the last podcast, but, um, you know, if it's not clear already to our listeners, we are ramping up our our podcast content, you know, leading up to that championship game. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for for plenty of, of coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines in the form of the written word. But uh, you can hear us uh, here or wherever you find podcasts, uh, you know, leading up to, to Saturday's game. So thank you for listening.